2: Greetings humans, you have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay.
0: Stop me up. Yeah,
1: there
2: you go. Yeah,
0: Yeah, the Rolling Stones. Yeah. (laughs) Good old and,
1: you know, when you started, I thought it was something else. I don't remember what, but then I was like, oh wait, that's not it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't get you? Yeah. How's it going,
0: everybody? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Uh, today we have a fun episode. We have a guest, a special guest. He is an awesome artist, uh, and he's actually been a larger part of our show and games than i had ever realized when I wrote up this outline. Uh, and and on game nights and our preview episodes Uh, so we're going to be doing a little bit of a profile as well as talking about art and magic in general yeah we've
1: never had a magic artist on before so this is a first for us
0: the closest we've gotten was james pianka who did uh, flavor flavor text text and and naming naming cards cards, yeah. yeah but not an artist so very exciting i feel like the magic man sam now Doing a little arts profile.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I won't be. Yeah, my art acumen is not quite high, as high as Sam's. No, so. not not yet. Not yet. But before we We're get into it, it. <laughs> this show is brought to you by cardkingdom.com/slash
0: command zone. That's the affiliate link that you can use the next time you're out on the interwebs shopping
1: for some cards or products or anything magic related. Yeah, you're gonna buy magic cards anyway. If you use that affiliate link when you do, you're supporting this show, game nights, and all of our content. Another big supporter of our show is Ultra Pro. Ultra Pro. Ultra Pro. Ultra Pro is awesome. We always talk about the Eclipse sleeves. I really also like their dice. They're like really hefty, heavy metal dice or the gravity dice. Those are sick. Yeah, those get a lot of comments at the table. Definitely check them out by uh, supporting their products. You are also supporting this show as well. And the final way... To support the Command Zone and Game Nights is directly at patreon.com/slash command zone. In fact, we call out one lucky patron every single episode. Every episode. This episode is dedicated to Dan Bucci. Dan. Bucci.
0: Dan. You rock. Thank you so much, Dan. All right, let's move right on to the main topic. Today, we have on the show, please give a very warm welcome to Jesper
1: Ising. Hey, Jesper, how's it going? Hi, how are you doing? I'm so happy to be here. We're very happy to have you on the show. I'm pretty excited to find out some of the process behind how uh, Magic Art yeah. is made. Also, you're a pretty big fan of Commander, as it turns out. I'm a yeah. How super many decks fan. did you say you have? I'm down to 20 decks now. Down to? Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I dismantled down from, what?
3: Three, uh, from 25. Uh, that's uh, not okay. counting all the pre-constructed, of course. Wow, but, uh,
1: that's like the same yeah. amount that I have. <laughs> I, yeah, it's about the
0: same I have, too. No, I'm just kidding.
1: I have, like, 12, I think. That's uh, pretty impressive. We'll talk about your frightening uh commander storage techniques, yep. you know, <laughs> how you store your decks in a little while. We'll, we'll start with that. We've got lots of other things I've to talk pictures, about. I've seen pictures, though, and it even makes me hurt. Well, at
3: least then
0: sleeves now. Oh, thank goodness. There's some <laughs> sleeves around it. He's got sleeves now, everybody. Congratulations, Jesper. Way to go. He's storing the cards like the way you did back when you first started playing Magic. It literally reminds me of, like, when I was 15, how I used to the cards well jesper you've been playing magic for quite some time as well right yes
3: yes i was a uh, part of the first competing in the first uh, tournament in denmark ever and that was in wow in 93 94 94 i think it was yeah
0: and i came second what was the wow, second what was the standout card in 94 in denmark
3: i played uh, the never before seen combo with Icy manipulator and royal assassin. Oh,
1: nice! Oh, Tap nice. your thing, kill it.
3: And uh, after that, after that tournament, I got the, the nickname that every time I played the icy manipulator, people were saying, "Oh, it's the icing manipulator."
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty fun. <laughs> that is amazing! Wow, that's actually that's awesome. fantastic. So you were playing Magic before? I'm assuming you were an, an artist or? Oh
3: yeah, no, I was an artist back then, but just not as professional. So, right,
1: right, right. How old were you? I mean, were you a kid? I was still like, then? I mean, I
3: was, no, I was uh, in eighteen, nineteen when I started
2: playing.
0: Wow, you've been playing a long time. Yeah, but you've been creating art for Magic: The Gathering now since Lorwyn. Yeah, and your yeah. cards have actually made quite the impression on Magic. I'm, I think our viewers and listeners are going to be very surprised to find out the breadth of cards that you've done. Um, and we're going to be breaking down our interview with you into a few main segments. Starting, we're going to talk about you and your artistry and your history with Magic. Mm-hmm. Also. And then we're going to move on to talking about specific cards and what decks they are in of your own, because you have a stipulation about the cards that you've made, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. I need to have at least one in every deck. That's a
1: rule. <laughs> every one of your decks has to have one card that you've... At least a, one. ...done the art for? Yeah, at least. Yeah. But it's not that difficult. I'll I was d- going to say, I would think that would be hard, but looking at the list of cards you've done, it's actually... I can at least see one card that can just go in every deck, so you can always do that.
3: <laughs> I can always put Reliquary Tower in every yep. one of them, right? <laughs> that's, the of one. that's the that's one, one I was thinking of. <laughs> and I, let me just say it's been reprinted so many times that I have a bunch of them, so I just chucked yeah. them in every one of them. But yeah, I, I think that's too easy, so I find ways to put other cards in it too. So
0: That's great to hear. All right, and then we're going to end the interview talking about your favorite decks as well and what kind of player you would like to be at the table. So let's start things off. You, Jesper, are of Danish origins, and I've heard that you're actually a huge Dungeons & Dragons fan. I'm guessing that's what got you into the fantasy universe?
3: Yeah, yeah. um, I've been into every kind of fantasy there is, uh... the the role-playing I played a lot of role-playing games I'm still playing role-playing games nice Uh, I played all the board games and all that and I read all the books (laughs) back in the days you know every time there was a fantasy movie out it was just like one of my genres is out so I've, (laughs) uh, I've been into that forever but um it, it took, uh, of course, a lot of practice to be able to be a professional fantasy illustrator. Especially coming from Denmark, it's a bit difficult. Let's just say when I started, there was like five or six fantasy books put out uh, through publishers every year, like novels. Mm-hmm. So uh, if I did half of all the Danish fantasy covers, that would still not be a lot to make a living. So uh, oh, right, for me, right. it was pretty uh, adamant or necessary that I broke into the American fantasy market, and that took a long time.
0: Right. And so when did you first encounter magic, and what made you realize that you wanted to paint for the game?
3: When I was 18, I went to the university to study Danish literature, and uh, at that point, uh, there was a convention, a role-playing convention that I attended, and I saw some people playing a card game, and I looked over the shoulder, and I remember I saw a Zingia vampire, and I thought, that's a bad illustration. I could, <laughs> I could do a lot better. Uh, right, and, right and then the year after that was uh, when i attended this tournament and and played the Sengir Vampire to a semifinal.
0: Wow. So you had a lot to thank the Sengir Vampire for, <laughs> both for inspiring you to make better art
1: <laughs> and for taking the to tournaments. be honest,
3: when we started playing at that time, like, you, you played with all your cards. Right. And that was before the four-limit rule, so I played a, a huge deck with only one Sengir Vampire, but it was in play all the time because I had five demonic tutors to tutor it up. <laughs> and that was just... People were just like, "Ah, oh, you're going to get the Sengir Vampire. Again, there we go.
1: That's pretty awesome. So, you pretty much from the moment you saw Magic, you were thinking, How can I, you know, how can I work on that game?
3: I always thought I'm gonna illustrate Lord of the Rings, Mm -hmm. and uh, I at some point you just had to great down on your dreams I guess so uh, <laughs> and that
0: is the top tier fantasy world yeah I mean, isn't for it sure, for
3: sure. <laughs> no I, I remember ever since I became a professional fantasy artist the magic was the what you say the corner the milestone or the, what do you say right right uh, the that, milestone yeah that was the most important game and um, I always you know uh, thought that I could do it but ever since I've thought I could do it and uh, until it actually happened it took me seven years to practice wow. and, and submit art and, and maybe it's because I was a bit unrealistic about my own uh, skills that I thought I could do it before but uh, in the end mm-hmm. it succeeded and uh, so who cares
1: well that's the that's the opening line of every success story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly Is, uh, I was a bit overconfident about my skills <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> yeah. what, so it, so can you take us a little bit through the process of like, yeah, you're saying you just did you just cold submit the art or did you have some sort of pipeline that you could go through to try and start to? You know, mm-hmm. get your work in front of the people at Magic. Yeah,
3: it's a different time now. I mean, when I started, the internet was really bad. I don't think even right, there right. was any uh, real internet when I started submitting stuff. So, because that's like twenty years ago. So, so what uh, are you
1: doing? Submitting like photographs? Of I'm sending stuff? in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm
3: sending in uh, for color photocopies of my acrylic paintings back then. Just, wow. just
1: cold though. You don't have an. You don't have a contact. You're just like. I don't know. What's the Wizards of the Coast address? Send yeah, it in, or do you Yeah, have- I
3: did that uh, when I started, and then the, the slowly the internet became more and more. Uh, let's just say successful. So uh, right. I, I was started. What got me into Magic was after seven years, I started uh, writing um, emails with another artist called Todd Lockwood, the guy who designed most of the third edition Dungeons & Dragons. Mm. And uh, he said, uh, you know what, Jesper, uh, give me your portfolio and I'll send it to my art director at Magic. And I was like, yeah, this is it. I'm in, man. This is the best. Yeah. And uh, uh, he did that and I didn't hear anything back. <laughs> and then, and that was like the seventh year where I s- submitted stuff. So I said, oh, I'm just gonna drop magic. I don't, I don't want to do. I don't want to keep being disappointed." So yeah. I, 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 wrote a novel instead. Um, wow. And the novel was called uh, Jarvis: The Wizard's Apprentice. And a whole year after Todd Lockwood submitted my artwork, I got an email from a guy called Jarvis uh, Jeremy Jarvis. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the main art director at Magic, um, and I thought it was a joke because I, it was the same month that my novel was published in Denmark, and my novel wow. was named uh, Jarvis. And Jarvis. I got a mail from a guy called Jarvis saying, "Do you want your job of the dreams?" And I was like, "This is a joke," and i didn't <laughs> an, I didn't answer it
2: because I was like.
3: I thought it was the guys at the studio playing a prank on me and had made we always played pranked at each other so I didn't answer it until the day after when I got back in and I, and you know it was before you got a lot of spam emails Mm-hmm, so uh, right. so, I just uh, the email was still on top of my uh, message. So I was like, "Hmm, there's a lot of information here that is uh, unlikely that my stupid friends would be able to make up, <laughs> uh, like a like a creative designer." There was a lot of titles and and telephone numbers and stuff, and that was, I was like, "They don't know the area code for this stuff. It's true." <laughs> so I wrote a very casual reply saying, "Yes, yeah, sure, I'll work for Magic, no problem," and uh, it turned out it turned out to be real. <laughs>
0: Wow, yeah, you and play a little hard to get.
3: <laughs> I think I think what, what was really great about it was that I like for 7 years I tried to get in and uh, and the moment I got in was because they were putting out Lawin. Lawin was a European fairy tale inspired set. Um, and I'm like so uh, they were looking I was for like European artists? Yeah, they were looking for European artists and I I was all my illustrations I submitted were fairy tale. I, I illustrated Hans Christian Andersen and stuff like right. that. So I was, I was like, it was like a hand in glove combination.
0: Mm-hmm. That's perfect. I, I think that's a good lesson for anyone that's trying to pursue arts or in that realm that just because you don't hear back doesn't necessarily mean that someone like Jeremy Jarvis at Wizards may have received your art, right, and looked mm-hmm. at it and been like, well, this is really good, but it doesn't match any of the creative that we're doing for our sets. Yeah. But let's put this guy in the back burner so that when it does come around, we can make sure the contact. Yeah, timing's yeah, exactly.
1: super important. Uh, do you remember the very first piece that you worked on?
3: Oh, yeah. Lignify was my first uh, painting.
1: And, of course, if you're watching the video version of the podcast, you'll be looking at it right now.
3: And that is actually also a card that is in one of my commander decks.
1: Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. It has uh, to be,
3: right? The Doran Siege Tower deck. Aha! I create tree folks, right?
0: Oh, that's right. That is actually really <laughs> nice. It's uh, <laughs> So, actually, in Lorwyn, you ended up doing a variety of creatures for your first set. You made a goblin, you made a shapeshifter, a tree folk, uh, elves. Was it... Interesting having to tackle all these different kinds of mythical creatures on your first assignment instead of just sort of saying doing one piece of art?
3: Wizard create a style guide, right? So they send mm-hmm. out a style guide for all the artists so that everyone... Do the same kind of elves and the same kind of goblins and i was just so enormously happy when i saw the style guide i was looking at it and most of the elves were designed by steve prescott and uh, he was one of my favorite artists so i was just so happy to be able to be a part of it so i had no no problem tackling anything i was just diving into it like a crazy boy and i was like
1: in heaven, <laughs> in
3: heaven, and I spent—I read all the manual and spent so much time on figuring out how to do this perfectly.
1: Can you walk us through, like, let's just take Lignify as an mm-hmm. example? How does that work? Like, are you given the text of the card? Are you given? Did, I mean, I guess not all the artists probably even play magic. We know famously, like, Therese Nielsen doesn't play magic. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if they would even send you like what the card does. Do they no, send some sort no. of general explanation? Like this card will is, you know, a creature getting destroyed or something. Like how, how do they explain to you sort of what they want the art to look like?
3: Um, they, they are the best art directors to work for I've ever worked for because they give you a, a, descri- a location, they give you a description of the creature in form of where in the style guide uh, you should look, and they give you a, a, a mood. They say, what kind of mood? Is this uh, funny, serious, or evil? Oh, or? wow. And they also tell you what the important part of the picture is, if there's more characters or stuff like that. So you get all the... And th- this is what I love about Wizard. They give you the tools to create the illustration, and then they say how you solve this is up to you. So they trust mm-hmm. you as an artist to come up with, maybe come up with a better solution than they would have thought of. And sometimes it works good. Other times they are like, yesper this is way too off. Can you <laughs> try something different? Or other artists will submit a couple of different takes and they will choose one. So
1: Oh, so um. some... Is it like that on a lot of the art? Is it kind of a bake-off where there's multiple people commissioned for the same...
3: No, no, no. But uh, if they ask me to do an illustration and I'm in a little bit of doubt, I submit three or four different thumbnails of the same illustration. I am like uh, angles and different ways of showing it. And if I'm really, um, uh, how do you say, uh, in doubt doubt of it, I ask my art director, hey, what does it ca- this card do? Because they know I play the game, so they are like, oh, yes, but don't worry, this is a first strike night creature, and you can just right. uh, do this instead, right? So, it helps to be able hey, to bet, play I the bet game. Yeah, it
1: really helps to play, yeah.
3: It does sometimes. I mean, if I get a description, and it, they specifically ask for a guy with the lance, I'm like, ah, it's first strike, I get it. <laughs> so, <laughs> or, or they say it shouldn't have wings, and I'm like, Yeah, no, it's not flying <laughs> so
1: it's, it's- Yes for uh, not to put you on the spot, but I'm wondering if there's a card that has already been released maybe recently that you remember what the direction you were given, just so we can compare like you know, we can show everybody the art and have you talk about you know what you were told versus what it ended up looking like. Yeah. So, uh,
3: the Dreadmaw painting I did with the big dinosaur looking hungry at a pirate the ship.
1: The colossal Dreadmaw?
3: Yeah. Um, the description was very uh, massive. Uh, it, were, it asked for something that was almost impossible, because it asked for a, a creature, a big dino, that has trampled through the forest, creating a path of crushed trees. It had... Turned over a tree that were uh, over a river, and he was standing on the tree, looking down hungrily at a pirate ship, and the people were jumping, and he was about to to eat it almost in one mouthful. So wow,
1: that is that a was lie. the description that you were given. That's it, a lot. I retold in my uh,
3: words. In but, your words, but basically, uh, uh, it was way better informed and precise with right. reference, but but the point was that. When I started sketching it, I did a lot of different takes on it, different sketches, and I immediately thought I'm going to have to narrow something down or focus in on one thing at least. And for me, that was by far, it was a creature, so I knew I needed a, a... narrative a personality to him so I focused in on the face and his expression when he looks at the ship. Yeah. and then yeah, I, I really more or that. less tried to ignore the fact that he had trampled through the forest but on the other hand since I was playing a magic I was like why, why is he trampling through the forest crushing the trees maybe you need to sacrifice a forest to make him able to do something <laughs> weird with damage and I was like I'm not showing that this is horrible and the art director <laughs> was saying yeah this, this looked good yeah yeah <laughs> so uh, so I was super happy that I gave them this option. This was one out of four options. So
1: that's funny that that knowing magic so well can actually get in your way sometimes <laughs> yeah. where you don't know what elements yeah. are really important to the exactly. mechanics. So, yeah, that's funny.
3: Every time I'm in doubt, I directly ask for it. I say, is this the most important thing or is this the most important thing? And right. they 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 just look it up and tell me, but they won't they won't tell you beforehand because they don't want to like uh, give you too much?
1: Well, right they're they, yeah, and they are constantly worried about cards getting leaked and information getting leaked. So they
3: no, it's not that. It's more like uh, sometimes it will limit your imagination if you are being told oh. too much. Oh, so they would right. rather it say it puts
0: you in a box.
3: Yeah, yeah, and they would rather say this is the information you need. We need you to use this as a springboard for your imagination, and that's why I love working for Magic
0: right now one interesting thing about your art is that it's always filled with what i like to call little like little trinkets little small secrets <laughs> in there are, and when you're painting something you're painting it for what ends up being a very small box in a card yeah does that change the way you approach the art at all or are you ever sad or disappointed that people might not see all the tiny details for instance there is someone jumping off the boat in colossal of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but if you don't look very carefully you're going to miss it
3: to be perfectly honest Jimmy and Josh, I never painted this for a client or money. I painted for myself. So Mm -hmm. uh, being able to sell it and make a living of it is a byproduct. So uh, if I'm happy, I hope everyone else is. But I I, want to make cool art. I want to make cool pictures for myself. And uh, usually that also ends up being a good product. So that's one thing. The other thing is that when I started uh, in Lorwyn, um, I did a lot of details uh, on the cards and then it took a whole year before the cards are being produced. So when the first card came out and I was uh, I was uh, looking at them, I was like, you can't see all the details I did. Oh no!
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And then I, then I thought I'm I'm gonna have to change somehow. And right after that, I started concentrating a lot about the silhouettes of the figures. So I mm-hmm. always look for a very strong, very readable silhouette before I add any details. So the details is more the icing on the cake, if you know what I mean. Um, And and, uh, the silhouette and the readability is what I'm aiming at uh, foremost.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You have to change your style just knowing that the delivery system is eventually going to be a lot smaller. Mm -hmm. Exactly. and I had yeah, to I had smart. to
3: change the style a lot for magic, but it has also helped me in all the other art that I'm doing in my career altogether because having to figure out how to make the most clear narrative, readable picture in a small frame, hey, it it, it it's the same if you're doing a battle scene with twenty orcs, right? You, you still right, need right. to tell the narrative or the story the best, clearest way possible.
0: That's so cool. That's, that's a great way of saying it. Now, of course, back in the day, you were doing color copies of acrylic paintings and sending those in. What is your favorite medium of painting now? Are you still someone that puts brush to a canvas, or are you moving to digital more? How, how has that evolved for you?
3: Um, all my magic is uh, original, except for a couple I did while I was traveling. So uh, all of them are acrylic and brushes. But uh, wow. d- during my, my usual day, it's about 50-50 digital or 50% acrylic. It depends a lot of the, of the, the, the job that I'm doing. But mm-hmm. uh, it changed a lot since I started doing illustrations and concept for computer games because I thought I'm doing something for a digital world. Why would I paint that with real paint? It's, it's kind of stupid.
0: Right, right. Well, that's great to
1: hear. They're taking a lot of art, not just for magic, for but for other things, too, and sort of using it on multiple planes so it'll be printed on something. But it also be used digitally for like a trailer and they'll have to animate it. Mm-hmm. So do you find that the process changes a lot because of that? Are they asking you to sort of layer the no, image no. in some ways or deliver it in that way or they just take care of all that?
3: They took care of all that. I remember at some point I was asked by um, League of Legends if I wanted to do splash screens for them. And that was before I was able to do digital work. That was when I was traditional. And they asked for the figure in one layer and effects on a different layer and the background on a separate layer so they could animate it. And I was answering them, yeah, it's going to be more or less one layer. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, how do we do that? And they were like, what? You're not digital? And that was the first time I thought, maybe I should do something digital. <laughs>
0: <laughs> League of Legends pretty big game. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, well, before we move on to the next segment, I want to let everyone know that the Magic Man, Sam, who's also been on the show, did a really great profile piece of you on his channel. So oh, if you guys yeah, are more yeah. interested in Jesper's art, make sure to check that out. We'll put the link below. Um, it was a really informative piece.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, Sam's the best. Sam's so. awesome, yeah.
3: It was like a distillate this distilled version of everything that I've concentrated on for 15 years in eight-minute video. I was tear-breaking when I saw that.
0: Oh, man, that's awesome to hear. I'm sure Sam would have loved, would love to hear that as well, which is great. Yeah, he does really good work, so he yeah. obviously deserves the praise. Exactly. Okay, well, let's move on to talking about some
1: of the cards that you've drawn, because yeah. a lot of them are straight-up Commander staples. Not... One of them, I would say, is like... It's like top 10 most powerful cards in the format, maybe.
3: That must <laughs> yeah. be uh, the tooth and nail.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's tooth and nail. <laughs> yeah, seriously.
3: That
0: card's ridiculous. I, another... think,
3: I think one of you guys had it on your top 10 list in green, right? Oh,
0: yeah. oh I, yeah. I would be surprised if it wasn't on the top 10 list. It's just an instant It's an instant win the game. for.
1: <laughs> if you want man. it to be, that card wins the game. Yeah. yeah, yeah you don't exactly. have to, but yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about tooth and nail specifically, and 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 the art on that? And the the
3: I didn't know what it was because uh, when I when I got the description, it wasn't named tooth and nail, so it was just mm-hmm. like uh, yeah, do these two creatures? No, it was actually named tooth and nail, uh, but but it, I didn't thought it was that card, so I was just like yeah, I'll do the I did the description, and then uh, afterwards when it was printed, I was like holy, this is. a – this is a really, really good card. And, and I didn't yeah. own any of them. So they give you a, a sample. They give you artist proof of the cards.
2: Right, AP. So
3: I was just putting them in all my green decks after that. Like,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, I'd like to pause here really quick because I'm sure that's a question a lot of people have at home, which is like, do you get the card? Um, artist proofs are a little bit different, but can, do you, this is just a question that we get asked a lot yeah, yeah. in general. Um, do, can you explain how the artist proofs uh, work.
3: Oh, yeah. They give you 30 uh, copies of each card you do, but it doesn't have the ordinary backside of Magic with the the brown side. It's just a white mm-hmm. back. So it's more like it's, a, it's like a sample of your product, I guess. But it's also yeah. very collectible because there's only 30 of them each card in the world. So there's a oh, lot yeah. of collectors that really want those. But, hey, I'm playing, I'm one of those I'm people, playing yes, with mine. I, I collect them like crazy. <laughs> you Especially do? Especially with tooth and nail. I'm going to yeah. send you one each. No problem. Oh, <laughs> my <laughs> goodness. That would, that,
0: would, that, would, that would make me very happy. Yeah. Yeah, I love the art on this, too. It, it definitely follows, again, if you if you watch uh, Sam's video about it, it very much follows what he sort of details as the – the making, drawing your eye to the the art here. And yeah. those creatures are pretty terrifying. Uh, you you have a particular affinity to making creatures in specific. I found.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I think mostly it's because, uh, let's just say, if you want to draw a very naturalistic human figure, all of us has a very uh, reliable reference at hand. Mainly, mm-hmm. you know what a body looks like. But as soon as you start doing a, a, like these. Uh, Bull horn demon creatures, it's like, yeah, you can't really see if I mess up in the legs or if the anatomy is a little bit screwed. So it's easier to get a, get away with a, a lot more exaggerated features, and I really like that.
0: Yeah, and those features do definitely pop out, especially in your goblins. I'm a big goblin fan, so oh, every yeah. time I see one of your goblins, I'm like, nice. <laughs> I like goblins, big too. Jimmy's a goblin fan. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, uh, let's talk about the next card on the list here, which is... Um, not as powerful as Tooth and Nail, but probably more prevalent in the Commander format. Certainly. This is a card that I put in almost every deck. Uh, it's You mentioned it earlier, it's Reliquary Tower. Yeah. This does not have some sort of kind of enormous creature on it.
3: No. And uh, I guess the, it's from the Lorwyn block. or it, That was from the, the set after Lorwyn. But it's mm-hmm. from the Lorwyn block. And I guess they were testing me out in different uh, themes back then. And uh, I was giving this land card. I was, uh, I did it, and I was. Uh I guess I got back to creatures after that, so it, is, <laughs> it is one of my only land cards.
0: <laughs> I mean, I I do really like it though. It I, the I think the color contrast is one mm-hmm. of my favorite parts, even on something like Tooth and Nail. It's the backgrounds always take this nice, beautiful wash of a certain color, and then it makes whatever you have in the foreground pop out that much more.
3: It's yeah, like that
1: silhouette thing you were talking about, right?
3: Exactly, and it's also very uh, contrasted colors. I always mm-hmm. go for, for very strong palette. Because I think it I I just really think we're we're doing fantasy here. We're not doing grey i got a lot of got enough of gray weather here in Denmark, so uh, <laughs> we, we need. I need everything in fantasy to be popping, like candy-wrapped paper. I think that's really nice.
0: <laughs> well, that's actually interesting because it brings us to the next card, which is Arabo, Roar of the Wild. And this is a oh, card yeah. that I, I, I love the art for because it actually doesn't follow what you were just talking about as much, which is popping out because he almost seems like he really is a part of the color palette and the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was you intentionally. Want to talk about the process behind that art that I mean
1: this looks like a very intense piece. I remember us talking about this art before we had even spoken to you yesterday mm-hmm. uh, yeah. as something that was just pretty amazing, and when the more you look at it, the more you're like, oh, he's sort of got like he's almost made a cloak out of his mane, and mm. it's you know there's a little bit of sort of camouflage aspect like it's it's very striking, yeah, I'd love to hear you talk about it,
3: yeah, I think uh, I was by, first of all, I was so happy to get the assignment because that was specifically a commander he said okay this is a commander and i'm like yeah what does it do
2: (laughs) and and, uh,
3: uh, they had to look up what it did for me and i was super happy (laughs) yeah it's it's awesome um i like i what can i say i mean i did a lot of different takes on this uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, oh you did the worst part was that even after it was approved, I went back in and changed stuff because I thought I could do a better job. And um, in the end, I had changed a lot of it back to the what was the original approved the drawing or painting. And I think I, what, what I really wanted to do was have him, having him express something like Mm -hmm. roaring instead of just standing there. And also I wanted him to, uh, like you said with the colors, I went a little bit off of what I'm usually doing because I wanted him to look like he was part of uh, the environment because he's called the roar of the world. So I wanted him to be a part of the world that he commands, right? So that's Mm -hmm. why I integrated him in the environment. uh, So it looks like this is my realm, this is my landscape. These are my small cat creatures. and (laughs) There's a lot to tackle in that piece. Um, but I'm, I'm really happy with it.
1: It's so fascinating to hear you talk about all the little things you have to think about Mm. that sort of lead you down the path that eventually you find, you know, at the end, the right place to land. Uh, I just love that about the creative process about anything. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And, and, but I, I mean, I'm also a very stupid artist. I, I, I am, I'm one of those that I really need to see it on paper before I can decide. And sometimes mm-hmm. that means that I, I do 20 or 30 different takes on the same painting in pencil. I, I, do, I fill huge piece of paper with thumbnails and mm-hmm. only when I see something, I see, oh, this is not working, next, next, next. And then I, I just do that until I get a stomach feeling that says, this is it. This could be a great right.
0: painting. Right, gotta trust your gut. Now, yeah. question: How big is the actual art piece for Arabo? I, I feel like it, it could be a big one.
3: Uh, no, sixteen by twelve inches. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's, it's the size yeah. of the board that I'm using. So I, I don't think I would go bigger because then I will get carried away in too many details and I will lose the readability in the end.
0: I see. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, all right, now let's talk about one of your more gruesome arts. This is, I think, another major Commander staple. It's Beast Within, but um, there have been a few arts for this over the years. And I want to ask about that specifically. Whenever you're doing art for a piece that has already existed in a prior printing, but they want a new art version for it, do you ever go back and look at the other arts or do you try and keep your mind as clear as possible moving into the project?
3: I mean, they never get into it. They never say it's a reprint or anything, but of course, when it was Beast Within, I knew the card. So I looked at it and I thought, okay, I'm going to have to do something completely different, right? Right. Uh, The worst part uh, of doing this was when I did the prognostic swings, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a remake of uh, Stephen Prescott's painting, and I loved oh, Steve right. Prescott's painting. He even shared the pencil with me before he painted it, so I was completely in love with this painting, and then they asked me to do a retake, and I'm, I was, no, I can't possibly <laughs> beat the one he did, uh, and right. so I immediately knew back then I needed to do something really different than his to, to not compete but right, totally. with with beast uh, no what was it um, beast within beast within mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you've seen the token that that came with it the beast token yeah because the the, I... the beast token uh, that they commissioned the both at the same time
1: so, oh, so you the want beast to within
3: what? yeah the beast within has this guy with a creature coming out of his uh, chest right so the uh-huh. token I did the the beast that came out. And he's sitting like smirking on a, in the woods, but underneath him, and it is pretty difficult to see, but underneath him is actually the guy from the Beast Within card lying dead. <laughs> I did not know that. He's almost like sitting on top of him, like, hey, I did this. So, uh, That's and, amazing. And I know a lot of people don't see that, but uh, I, I just make up these small stories to make it all more fun for me.
1: <laughs> That's great. Well, they're going to know it now. So yeah. Terry yeah. tracked down that uh, specific Beast Token art: Yeah, sure. You know, it so happens you've done a couple of our preview cards. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When I saw these, I actually gasped because I didn't realize it. But it's your art. (laughs) I I freaked out.
1: I was like, oh, my gosh, it's it's our card. So our very first ever preview card was Impact Resonance. You did that one. Yeah. And then... One of our more recent ones, the one from this year's Commander set, uh, "Fortunate Few," yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, was also yours. That was a fun um, card. That was super
0: fun. That actually reminds me of almost sort of that Lorwyn f- vibe, where you you have all sorts of different things and creatures and craziness happening on yeah. the same card.
1: I I love that one because you're like. Again, w- you could tell by looking at this card that the person was a magic player because it's like, well, what did people chosen? Like, well, it was a goat. It was like all this like, yeah. crappy stuff that was left over. Yeah. And
3: I, when I did it, I kind of had an, an old Gary Larson strip in my mind. There's one uh-huh. with a, a, a refugees in a boat uh, drawing straw about who they should eat, and in the back of the oh. boat, there's a dog looking like a, like an, no indifferent at the guy who draw the shortest straw, and I thought. I'm going to make the goat the coolest person of all these. I'm going to make the goat like <laughs> like he, he doesn't care about the destruction. He's more like that that dog from Gary Larson, like, yeah, whatever. Wow,
0: that's amazing. That's fantastic. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love that art though. It's, it's really great. It, Thanks. Yeah, a lot. definitely you can see it. Like of course there's a goat
1: token that someone's gonna choose to keep around. <laughs> so yeah, I think I mean we obviously can't talk about every every card you've ever drawn, there's or you've ever done. There's been too many, but some other notables um that we can we can show to people here. Uh Thornbite Staff. Oh yeah,
3: that was fun. Yeah.
1: That's a super powerful card. I think
3: it's one of my uh, hardest illustrations ever. Oh, really? Because at that point, I never did any, I, like, never did any illustrations in my career that didn't have a figure or character. Yeah, so that's, that's no. Creature. It was like a, a staff, and that was it. And I was placing him in the wood. Him, I'm almost, I'm saying him. So I was <laughs> pr- placing it in the woods like a character, and I thought. It's gonna. There's gonna be something else about the staff. So I don't know if you notice it, but it, the light changes when it goes through the hole of the staff.
1: It's like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark.
3: Yeah, but no. It's it, yeah. It's a yellow light from the sun, but as soon as it passes through the eye of the staff, it turned blue, and I thought that was really cool. Like like it was a like a portal or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. You, I'd never realized that, and I play this because I have a Kiki Jiki deck, and this card is just <laughs> absurd in that deck. Yeah, I
1: always I, thought it was like illuminating like the the spot. Somewhere farther down outside of the frame. Yeah,
3: but uh, I mean, it, it the whole light change was just something I made up to show more magic, I guess. So yeah, yeah, it wasn't a part of the description. It was just something I made up because I thought it was cool. And I needed something else because I couldn't do a cool figure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, Wickerbow Elder is another one you did, which has seen a lot of... It's gotten a lot of play on Game Nights, on Game Nights and Nights, yes. uh, yeah, Sam's podcast really recently. Good.
3: Really nice card, right?
1: Is it fun when like a card, like this is a card that nobody's talked about for years and then all of a sudden because of Apatra, it kind of got back into the limelight? light. Yeah. Um, there, and there became was... popular. It's almost like disco- people forcing people to discover your art like years later.
3: Yeah. There was uh, Shadow More, I think it was. Sorry, I can't remember the name, name of the card, but there was an artifact creature. You could tap it and take an artifact creature from your graveyard, put directly into play. That card when it came out was just nah nothing, and commander wasn't that big then. But that right. that one is in my artifact decks because it's an insane to be able to put a card directly into play.
0: Yeah, any card that does that, you know, I was thinking Cheap goblin mana cost, yeah, yeah, goblin welder, mm-hmm. any of those, yeah. Um, now, before we move on entirely, I did want to ask you, you have painted one expedition oh, in yeah, your yeah. career. Oh, yeah, yeah.
3: And that was crazy.
0: Was the process for that any different? Because obviously, no, they wanted to be more had, of a full we art. No, had,
3: because had, none of the artists had any idea what uh, what expeditions was. When they commissioned it, it was like a year before. I was just... Because I I barked one of the art directors constantly saying, yeah, I want to do basic lands because... To be perfectly honest, I just want to be able to build a deck with all my own cards in it, and I, <laughs> and, 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 and I need basic lands for that. I can't use, I can't just go with four relic Towers and four forbidden orchards, right? So I, oh ne- gosh, I need a basic amazing. forest. Wizards, if you hear this,
1: so. <laughs> um, I mean, they they should just give you yeah one set of the of the <laughs> yeah, kind five of basic lands. Why not? I, I, yeah, why not? Yeah. I think
3: they're tired of having me approach this subject constantly. <laughs> but I, I asked to do a land card, and he said, yeah, I got a land card now. Do you want to do it? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And I I, I had no idea what what the the orchard uh, the expedition was like. But the, did they
1: even tell you that it was going to be for a special type of card? Yeah, or is they it said just like-
3: this is for a smaller. Uh, special special kind of set and I was like okay cool I didn't know what it was so mm-hmm. but I, after that every, every after the first expedition set the artists kind of kind of found out what it was about
0: right I'm sure they did um now before we go on to talking to you about, you about the player you actually have built a commander deck around one of your commanders and it's not Arabo it's actually um a very actually I, I don't think we've ever talked about this card on the show and it's ever. weird
3: because uh, I think the Death Keeper, Se- I don't even know how to pronounce that. Seqwar. Seqwar. Seqwar, Death Keeper. Uh, uh, I thought it was be, it, this would be a perfect deck for Josh. This Why is that? Because it I has a lot of, uh, of uh, interactions with the different cards. It has a lot of synergy-based cards in it. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of uh, battle tricks. It can do a lot of different... Mm-hmm. You can build... I mean, the the deck I build is creature-heavy, of course. <laughs> um and uh, it's also very fun to play it can shift gear a lot it can uh, it can do a lot of different stuff and uh, and i really Let me, like that
1: i'm going to read the card really quick here so we can talk about this deck a little bit um it's sequar the death keeper it costs two black red green so five mana total for a four three legendary orc shaman it says whenever another non-token creature you control dies put a three one black and red Graveborn creature token with haste on the battlefield. So anytime one of your creatures dies, you get a 3-1 uh, with haste. Yeah, And that's not, it doesn't like die at the end of turn, you just get that. Yeah. So, yeah, if you can get into some crazy loops where you're sacking something over and over, you could make a ton of 3-1s and attack that turn with them, they all have haste. That seems really powerful. Also... It,
3: it, it needs to be a non-token
1: creature, that's the catch. Right, right, you can't cycle the tokens, nope. otherwise it would just be crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seems like Shadowborn Apostles would work really good in this deck, actually. Oh, my gosh.
3: (laughs) But uh, I build it up around Nether Trader and Reassembling Skeleton and Bloodghast. Oh, yeah. Cards that automatically gives me a way of recurring them, Right. Uh, there's one trick in it that I really like. If you can imagine sadistic hypnotist in this deck,
0: oh gosh! Because as oh, soon yeah, as you have
3: he... one creature to sack, you get uh, you discard and you get a new token. You can also sack that to sadistic hypnotist. and hypnotist?
0: You can mean...
1: easily make people discard their whole hands, like the wow, whole table. I I, I played intense.
3: this one in turns five, sadistic hypnotist, and just removed the hands of all different free players. Brutal. Oh, so gosh. That, it is pretty pretty neat
0: <laughs> I don't think they thought about it as being pretty neat but you know <laughs> I love sadistic hypnotist so I'm all I'm on board with that plan
3: but there's one other card that I would just simple interaction with it. If you like fleshback marauder mm-hmm. oh fleshback it's yeah it's just super nice because you sack himself and you get a free one and everyone else needs to sack one and there we go and, uh, right,
0: so usually, flashback marauder is you know you play it as an edict, so one one use sorcery effect, but this time you actually get something out of it at the end of it. Exactly. You still get a three
1: one, yeah. yeah, yeah, and you just yeah.
3: keep recurring that effect, right, R- bringing him. Yeah, back the from stuff the
1: free that God. sort of recurs itself, like reassembling skeleton. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really smart because you can probably get in these loops where yeah, with Astronaut's altars and stuff, where you're sacking it to create the mana to bring it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you get grave packed, dictative Erebos out. Ugh. Good night. Nobody else gets creatures but me. <laughs> exactly. Or
0: cards, I guess, at
1: this point. That, that sounds fun. It I, is, there's I, a lot of super... You know fun. me
0: well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've been listening to everything <laughs> yeah, you, <nervous>. you say. <laughs> you guys are monsters. It's funny because you actually have a Jun Tokens deck specifically, too. Yeah. Right? yeah, Th- yeah. There's one card yeah. I okay. need to I talk, a,
3: talk about also in this deck. It's Bloodsport Trinax.
0: Bloodsport
1: Trinax, it's, yeah.
3: It's a 2-2, and it has Devour 1. And each other creature I control enters the battlefield with an additional plus 1 counter on it where x is the number of counters on him so it it functions so good in this deck because it devours so i have a sack outlet but also every graveborn token becomes just if i sack one creature it becomes a 4-2 haste and oh, uh, man, that's yeah.
1: brutal, yeah. Or if you it's, devour too. The I mean, yeah, haste is brutal because when you go yeah. off on the turn you go off, you just attack that turn. Exactly, Yeah. exactly. Because yeah. most token decks you're looking, you also need a haste enabler, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So you need an additional sort of piece to the puzzle, but this one comes with it kind of. Exactly, yeah. it, it, it is. Uh, cool. I haven't actually played against this deck before. I don't know how, but. Well, hey, you know what? says
0: he's going to be in LA next
3: year. I'm going to so be so in we'll LA a next year. I'm going to bring this and I'm <laughs> going to crush you. I, you guys don't know, but
1: before we start recording, he was he was telling us how he was he, he was like, uh, "I want to get into a game with you guys so that I can kill you." Yeah, wasn't like, let's think, play a friendly game. Is like I'm going to destroy. I you. I think I
3: used the word humiliate. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of that, then it's a perfect transition. Let's talk about Jes- Jesper Icing, the artist, the myth, and the <laughs> I, I'm, I'm guessing. Johnny? Spike? I can't really tell, so let's start with the Timmy. basics. Yeah. No, I'm, what, what is your playstyle?
3: Let me just... I'm I'm not, I'm not completely sure with those terms, but Timmy is the guy who want to win Spectacular, right?
1: Yeah, with big... No, actually, he wants not like even, big creatures or yeah. like a lot of creatures or like dragons. Yeah. Huge
0: things hitting you for 20 in the air.
3: Let's just say that over the, the years, I've uh, disassembled all my combo decks. I don't want to do the kind of uh, games where you just win automatically and take endless turns, and then I say, ah, oh, I win. I think, I, hey, every one of us has done that a lot of times, but I would rather yeah. win big and spectacular. And doesn't need to be like a huge creature. It can also be a cool interaction between cards that lock people down and have them whining Discard that they can't hands. do stuff like that. Or I have a there. <laughs> dere- how do you pronounce that? The revi, tactican stack stack, where I just slowly grind people to a halt, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, and that's so much fun for me.
0: So you're a mix, then a little bit of a spike. Uh, the Johnny combo aspect is still there. <laughs> yeah, but I think so. <laughs> not at sort of win at all costs. That's interesting. I, re- I really, like that. It, it's good. You're like a seasoned player, clearly.
3: Yeah, I'd never want to win at all cost. I mean, uh, I I think uh, I definitely want to win through a spectacular. Uh, Style that no one has ever seen, like uh, interaction between cards that no one saw coming, stuff like that.
0: You and Josh are actually closer in player type than I think I, I realized. I am Josh, pretty that, sure, the, Josh. Is, uh, <laughs> music to my ears. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I can also see in the pod, in the command zone that Josh, you get kind of kind of carried away when you got your sampling got a when you got your your pieces assembled you're like yeah now i can do my thing and i'm like yeah what <laughs> you, why? Yeah, you, get, you me.
1: get you get excited you can i can see my that my eyes start getting bigger i'm like i'm doing this oh i'm going to yeah, do exactly. that i'm going to do this i know
3: exactly what you mean
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs>
0: um so yes but when you're playing what really matters to you then for commander do you like the politics of the game um obviously you said winning at all costs is not the main priority so um, do you like to you know are you someone that is very political, someone that always is making promises or deals or are you more of a straightforward player?
3: Oh, uh, I, I, I love that question because uh, I, I have a tendency to be one of the players that I play my hand to the maximum potential, like uh, the pow- the maximum power I can get out of all the cards I have, which also mm-hmm. makes me a, a threat to everyone. And everyone around the table are like, Jesper is going off now. we got to stop him. And and I <laughs> yeah, never and cared happened, yeah. about politics. And you guys saved me from that because I listened to your podcast about uh, politics. And mm-hmm. the, the game night I had after that, I thought, okay, let me just use all the advice you guys had. And I won, <laughs> won three games in a row. Wow! So uh, now I'm more. I'm changing my. I'm changing my style a little bit to be less (laughs) looking, less aggressive, and uh, playing more political game, and then exploding like a madman when I can.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like everything I'm hearing right now. I like that too. You guys, you guys
3: uh, made me play in a different way over the last couple of months, and I really um, I appreciate that, guys.
1: That's awesome. Well, it's great to hear. Do you? Jesper, do you have any, like, no-no stuff, you know, in Commander? I know a lot of people, like, they don't it, like Infect or Mass Land Destruction or Counterspells. Oh, is there anything uh, in the game that's, like, kind of off-limits to you?
3: Yeah, Endless Turns. Oh, uh,
1: uh, yeah. Turns. I, yeah. Took
3: all, I took out all the... I mean, Endless turn or automatically wins. I kind of dislike because they they ruin what I think is fun about Magic. They kind of ruin the interaction between players. I'm not <laughs> saying that, uh, that you shouldn't have them, but... We have one guy in the playgroup that likes to take a lot of turns. And it uh, I, I think that's cool, but I know he's doing it. So I kind of shape decks around being able to handle that.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, uh, I think I, that's I, really I, smart. And I think we hear from a lot of people who they complain about a certain thing they don't like. And it's like, okay, but are you building your decks then to stop that thing? Because mm-hmm. that's kind of what gaming's about in a lot of ways is this sort of like, you know, thrust and parry. You know. Yeah. To use a fencing analogy, but it, it's about countering what you know they're going to do. That's why it's called a strategy game.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So certainly. but but as soon as somebody's is, is playing a target player takes an extra turn and you use a misdirect to to you taking an extra <laughs> turn, <take> it. They, <laughs> nice. they they kinda don't play that deck again, right? <laughs> <laughs> it just
1: hurts. It hurts. Yeah. So it hurts badly, way like, oh, worse no. than yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
0: Um, so what do you think your most controversial features are then? For instance, if your friend is the person taking a lot of turns, is there something that someone looks to you and goes, oh, Jesper is doing this again? Is it the dump your whole hand out in one explosive turn moment?
3: Yeah, stuff like that, or, or just doing a lot in my turn, like uh, a lot of triggered effects or, or a lot of in uh, card synergy. I think what I found out was that I liked playing decks that, did not necessarily revolve uh, evolve around having one combo, but more having mm-hmm. synergy between cards, like Comic uh, Guide, Revelark, those kind of right. synergies. And as soon as mm-hmm. I, st- I started building decks around the synergy themes, I thought the decks were more resilient or, or were more fun to play in the long game, right? So, and mm-hmm. I guess that also. That's the way I play, like with a lot of different uh, synergy effects in my turn. Also, I really like to do battle tricks, like oh, out of nowhere, like blocking situation where you just get that little extra out of it that no one's expect expected and you just go out the bigger player, right?
1: So wow. Are we talking like uh, giant growth? <laughs>
3: yeah, that's the simple way, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean what are you
1: when you say battle tricks, what do you mean? Like what's a card example? Think, I'm just curious. Uh, uh
3: for me it's more like you do a lot of stuff and then he blocks and he kinda he uses giant growth and then you lightning bolt the creature with the giant growth and kinda ruins all the blocking situation for him. Something like that. That's right, to be yeah, like yeah, very reactive then. Reactive. I always have mana open. So sort of stopping their plans. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, but it also, you need to have decks that have these instant interactions, right? So mm, yes, So a lot absolutely. of the decks that are just creatures, uh, that's why I don't like playing only, let's say, white-green. White-green is a lot of uh, linear play, uh, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like, actually, like the Arabo deck, it's a very linear deck, how do you pronounce yeah. that? Linear, linear deck of linear, play? Yeah. yeah. Where I like the, the, the more instant interactions.
1: Yeah, you like to have something up your sleeve. Exactly. I can relate. I've been talking to Josh all over again. I can relate. Gosh. (laughs) Otherwise, you feel helpless. Yeah. Yeah. And that's never a good feeling. That's why you play Anguish Unmaking and Utter End in every single deck you can. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> All right, well now before we
0: finish, Jesper, uh we did this with the professor and I thought that was a really fun thing to do, but we have player archetypes. Um and yeah. we've sort of gotten a sense of who you might be, but there's something like, you know, the mentor, the rebel, the judo master, <laughs> the opportunist and the lone wolf. Is there's there, also the architect,
1: the architect, right? Um there was some somebody else on Twitter had a really good one, I forget. <laughs> the there's Chaos the merciless master.
0: the merciless, right? Yeah. yeah the the merciless. group hugger.
1: Um, yeah, what what do you think you're like? archetype would be i have decks
3: in that in almost all categories i think but what are you, when are you at your most happy i uh, i have I'm, I'm playing blue in a lot of decks so i think uh, <laughs> blue white green is my favorite combinations
1: blue, white, blue green. green especially uh,
3: band. Are re- yeah band is my favorite um so i guess i'm a judo master isn't that yeah, that's yeah. what I
1: was going to say, because that's the one that's sort of redirecting energy and like, yeah, you know, have tricks up their sleeves. and. Yeah. I,
3: like I have an Ifara, God of the Police, uh, mm, yeah. blink deck, and that has all the instant interactions that I really love to play. Yeah,
1: well, that play great. you said where somebody casts an extra turn spell on themselves and you misdirected yourself, that's yeah. 100% a judo master yeah. play. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Can
3: I tell you about the best magic experience I ever had?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah it. absolutely. I'm sorry, I can't
3: remember the card, but it's one of the other revolt cards where you sac you sacrifice 50 life to shoot 50 damage.
1: Yeah, Etherflux Reservoir. Yes. Yeah.
3: So my friend was playing this in a life gain deck, and he just looked at me. I'm like, I'm gonna shoot him because Jesper is always <laughs> nasty and does tricks. So I was like looking innocent. i was like, don't, don't. And he was like, Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sac 50 life, and he. Went down to four life and shot me, and I was playing my fire deck, so I played a void mage husher, and oh, it, uh, it's a uh, two-two flash, <laughs> and it uh, it makes me counter an activated ability. He still oh, had, so he still had to sack 50 life, <laughs> and and I didn't get any damage. And in the in my turn, I just killed him with the last four. He wow! Missed. He
1: just took 50 damage to do nothing. He, to I, do re- nothing <laughs> yeah. I remember
3: the shock on his face when he was just like void mage husher let me read that card <laughs> and i was like sure you can, sure, it you can read it you just sacked 50 life thanks <laughs> yeah
0: that's amazing i think that's my best that's play fantastic. ever that's <laughs> fantastic i think that's the kind of moment that i personally dream for every time i play a card like that or yeah. you know like a misdirect in my deck is like just one time yeah <laughs> just one time let me get them come on
1: man that's the dream void mage husher i played a lot of Void mage husher in my day i've never been able to to deal 50 damage with it. No, exactly. Every once in a while, I'm like, I I guess I'll just screw you over with your fetch land. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. That's really, that's
1: almost meaner, honestly. (laughs) I'd rather lose 50 life than not be able to fetch. (laughs) Before we wrap up here, I have to address something because you posted a picture on Twitter, or sorry, I think it was Facebook, actually. Facebook or Twitter, yeah. A couple weeks ago, and it was a picture of all of your um, commander decks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But it was horrifying, even to me, because you had rubber bands around all of them. No yeah. deck boxes. We gotta track down that picture, Terry. Um let's put it up on screen. Uh, yeah, there was no deck boxes you and there it wasn't like two decks. It was like, I don't know. It was your entire collection. Like 18, I think
3: It was twenty decks you yeah. uh,
1: It literally it was it literally
0: made my stomach hurt. What's the rationale? I need to know. Why? What's Why would the, you do this to us?
3: Yeah, but uh, t- I um, I don't I don't think I have like two deck boxes or something like that. They're all just lying here in my home, and um, <laughs> it, it's only reason I started doing the sleeves at all. I usually played with them just sleeveless with dual lands <laughs> and stuff like that. And people were freaking out when you're the like,
1: professor is freaking out right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah,
3: when you did the poker shuffle and the top card was a dual land, people were like, "You can't do that." But but then I I started, uh, I I did some illustrations for um, a competitor of your your sponsor, Mm -hmm. Arcane Tinman, the Dragon Sleeves. Uh So I did some illustrations for them and they started sending me a lot of sleeves, so now they're all protected.
0: But, um, yeah. there you go well, it turns out all you had to do was just <laughs> provide you some sleeves uh, next up uh, we'll send you some deck boxes <laughs> yep, yep. and uh, we'll
1: I'll trade you, you know, some
3: deck boxes for some artist proofs right uh,
1: I will take that uh, in, in a heartbeat <laughs> oh, Thanks. we will definitely send you some ultra pro deck boxes we have a oh, lot and you need them badly yes <laughs>
0: Uh it is pretty stylish though and I love seeing how many people commented on that picture yesterday. Yeah, so, so many <laughs> yeah. people were like what what is happening? <laughs> Why well,
3: a lot you, of people this... saying I want to send you some deck boxes.
0: Yeah, no, seriously. I mean, that was a great way to to have a charity fundraiser for deck boxes. So, <laughs> good on you. I had
1: mad respect for it. That we I used to keep rubber bands around all my decks, but yeah. 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 But I look back on that and I regret it. <laughs> Did you ever ruin so... a card
2: with it? Did you ever have a that card can't ride? possibly be true?
3: I never, not ruined, just scuffed. I never had any anything ruined by it. Come on.
0: Yeah, you can still play the card, right? <laughs> I'm not so. I'm not
3: trading much anyway, so
1: <laughs> Yes, true, true. Well, if you wanna find that picture, if you're listening to the audio and you didn't see it on the video or other things uh, that Yesper's posted or where he talks about his art and everything, you can go to muddycolors.blogspot.uk and that is uh, well that's that's your blog. Um
0: yeah, that's where you break down the Colossal Dreadmaw art oh, yeah. and show the different versions that you did. Um, is there anyone else that we can find you online? I know that you don't use Twitter. I tried to find you last night.
3: Yeah, I'm hopelessly behind on that. Uh, no, Muddy Colors is by far the best place because that's a, Great. a very huge site of fantasy art. So.
0: Yeah, lots of different artists there post. And you post uh, a couple once every two weeks, I believe?
3: Yeah, yeah. And we've Great. done yeah, so Yeah, so make so for, sure you guys for, check uh, that out as long as you've been doing this podcast. So it's a long time coming. Oh, wow. Yep, yeah.
0: Wow. Great way to look into the artist's perspective and learn a little more, especially for aspiring artists out there, a great resource. And just anyone that's curious about the process. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on very quickly to the listeners. Uh, if you have any wild stories with the Jesper's cards, and we'll have a list of them as well below the video so that you can <laughs> take a look and see if you have any limited stories or EDH stories, let us know. Send us a tweet or leave a comment on Jesper's blog, Um, and I would also love to know, you know, if you all have any favorite personal magic artists as well, and what matters to you when you pick up a card and look at it? I I know a lot of players out there never even really bother to look at the art. For me, I look at the art and I always get a vague sense of what it is, but I very, I sometimes forget to pay attention to the small details, but that's something I'm definitely going to be changing now that we've interviewed you. Yes,
3: thanks. Thanks a lot. Uh,
1: and if you find any cards with cool art that you would like to pick up, Ooh, all you have to do is go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. If you use that affiliate link when you buy your Magic cards, you're supporting this podcast, Game Nights, all of our content, uh, and we really do appreciate it. And in a different way, you're also supporting Esper if you show someone to go, look at
0: this card and look at the art specifically. It's beautiful our other sponsor for the show ultra pro you can also of course get deck boxes there they, deck don't, boxes. Sell, they don't sell rubber bands yeah, well, yeah. but well, yeah. <laughs> they'll even send them to denmark pretty sure <laughs> yeah pretty sure they stock around the world so thank you to ultra pro for being a great sponsor of this show <laughs> they don't sell rubber
1: bands though because yeah. you shouldn't use those as deck boxes nope nope <laughs> all right now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic yes we're do you have anything cool outside the world of magic that you're doing right now? Maybe a book you're reading, a what movie do you mean? You saw, there's, there's, anything?
3: There's nothing happening outside of magic. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's the right answer. Um, That's the
1: show, everybody. It feels, certainly feels like that sometimes. Yeah.
3: I know you guys read a lot of books, and I read a lot of fantasy books also. And uh, I don't know if you've oh, read awesome. uh, Joe Abercrombie.
1: Yes, I have read some He's a British...
3: British, yeah, he is uh, my favorite author for the moment, and uh, I I know that he's writing uh, uh, um, a free issue, what do you call that, like free books? Free
1: and- series or cycle? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, and um, they're going to be out uh, very soon, I hope. Uh, he's my favorite author, and if you haven't read uh, The Blade Itself, last argument. Yeah, The Blade Itself. Kings and and that series, uh, I think you should definitely give it a try. He's a, I like that he for me he kind of did something more gritty and nasty in fantasy that 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 I was used to at that point, and I really like that. It's not that much about creatures and dragons or anything; it's just about really mean people.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's definitely similar to Game of Thrones. I think people that like Game of Thrones will like The Blade itself and sure sure in that series. Yeah, 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 that's a great one.
0: Great, great one. Yeah, right up Josh's alley again. Jeez, you guys are like long-lost twins over here. (laughs) Like my
3: brother from another mother.
1: That's right. Yeah,
0: seriously, seriously.
1: Two of our other brothers from other mothers, Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman, they do a podcast called Masters of Modern. It's about the modern format, all things competitive magic. You should definitely check them out. You can find them right next to us at Collected Company or on Twitter at the MMcast.
0: And our editor for the show, Terry Robertson. Thank you, Terry, for taking this audio, uh, Jesper's audio as well, and putting it all together on a video and audio version of the podcast. You can check that out: YouTube.com/slash The Command Zone Podcast. And of course, Jeffrey Palmer does a little living cards animation. Actually, maybe we should get Jeffrey to animate one of your cards because they are full of dynamics. So. We'll let you know if that ever happens, Jesper. But Jesper, thank you so much for being on the show, man. It's it's great to finally connect. And your art has made a huge impact on everyone's magic career. So we thank you for that.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I'm a huge fan of your show. So thanks a lot.
1: Well, that's great. We're a big fan of you. In fact, yeah, we're going to have to coordinate with you somehow and get uh, one of your... Art's uh, animated for our uh, the windows behind us on our podcast now. I also want to call out Balam Nahara, who did this one, uh, which is the Ravnica Dome. So thanks to Balam, Jesper, yep. hopefully we'll catch up with you in L.A. soon. Yep. And uh, hopefully we will avoid getting absolutely humiliated. <laughs>
3: I will start building a deck right now.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much again, Jesper,
0: for, for being on the show. Make sure you guys, again, go to muddycolors.blogspot.uk to check out his work and his writing. And uh, I guess that wraps it up. Until next time, we'll see you later.
1: Peace.
2: Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com.